0: Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way the almond tree blossoms the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goats, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord.
1: How's everybody doing? Am on? I'm on. So anything that happens now is not my fault. If it pops loudly, it's not my fault. Hello? Okay. Um. want to. Uh, say something real quick before we get going. Um, we started, uh, um, we're, we're close to a seminary and a Christian college, which, which means that we get people who want to work for us for free, which is a big plus. Um, and uh, and the, the first guy that we brought on as an intern for us is B.J. Bronner. Um, you probably see him running around here a lot on, uh, on Sunday nights, setting stuff up, um, doing everything we ask him to do. Uh, yesterday evening, I got a phone call from him. His parents actually were here just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and his father had been in a motorcycle accident, he and his mom, um, yesterday evening down near Alamosa. Um, and so they, uh, they actually ran some tests. They initially thought he just had some cracked ribs. Um, then they, after they ran some tests they realized he actually had a broken neck. Um, so they care-flighted him here. Um, last night he got in about 2.30 in the morning. Um, and, uh, and so I, I just want to ask if we would pray for the Bronner family. I'm going to pray for them in just a second. Um, Right now, it looks it looks as as good as it can be with a, with a broken neck. He's got kind of full motion and feeling in his limbs, um, but they're still running a lot of tests. We want to make sure that there's no further complications. Um, BJ has been a uh, a huge help to the church. He's he's really laid down his life in a lot of ways to to help build what's happening here. And so we want to pray for his family. Um, his dad's name is Billy, and I what's his mom's name? We don't know his mom's name, which is embarrassing. But uh, if you'll uh, if you'll pray right now with me um, for Billy and then we'll pray for this sermon and then we'll get going. Um, right now, Father, we thank you for your mercy. Um, we thank you that, uh, that, that right now he that Billy can move his arms and his legs and, and there doesn't seem to be any damage to the spinal cord. And so, God, we give you thanks for that and we give you praise for that. Um, and, and, God, we ask as well, knowing that you're a God who heals, knowing that you're a God who one day will bring about the restoration of all things and we pray that, that we would get just even a small glimpse of that now in Billy's life, that you, that you would um, a- allow those bones to heal quickly and normally, that, that no complications would happen in terms of the spinal cord, in terms of movability and feeling in and, and all of his limbs. Gotta pray that you would um, strengthen his wife and his family as they, they come around him and love on him. Um, pray that we as a church will be able to come around this family as they, they spend um, the ne- next few days, possibly even a week or two, um, in the Denver area, that we'd be able to come around this family that's displaced and serve them, love them, um, and, uh, and help them work through this time. But most of all, God, we ask that you would heal them, that you'd protect them, that you would sustain their faith, that they would cling to Jesus as their rock, that they would trust in you as the sovereign creator and Lord of all things. Um, so God, be with them. And God, we pray right now, um, as we turn to this text, I, I pray, God, that you would do um, the impossible. God, that you would wake us up to, to the things that we grasp at, the straws that, that we try to plant a life on, the, the, the myriads of things, the idols, the, the hopes, the, the, the unforeseen future that we put our hopes in, God, that you would help us to wake up and see those things for what they are, God, that you would destroy the myth, the myth of immortality, that, that somehow this life that we're building won't ever come crashing down on us, God, I pray that you would... Allow Solomon to bring us to the brink and force our face to to, to see where it is exactly that we stand. So that God, tonight we wouldn't stay there, we wouldn't despair, we wouldn't become cynics as we leave here. But God, we would turn away from all of those things to worship you. That we'd look out from under the sun to behold and to delight in the God who is there. And stunningly, the God who is there and the God who is for us. So come and awaken us by your spirit through Solomon's words. And keep us from cynicism and despair, but God, turn us away from all these things to trust in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, this week has been a an interesting week for me. Um, my mother, who I think a lot of you know, um, her health took a, a rather southward turn this week. She... Um, Lives over in Lakewood in a um, nursing care facility there. And uh, last week, my wife and I went and saw her. Um, she was up, she was at them, and she was a little bit crazy, but she's always been just a little bit crazy. And so we didn't really think anything of it. Um, Monday, we find out she is bedridden, um, she's very sick, and she's more crazy than she usually is. Um, and I, uh, so much so that I was told, hey, Tuesday, you need know, to make sure you see her. This may, be, this may be getting really, really close to the end. Um, And and so, Tuesday night, I had a a night, um, I I just went up and sat with her for for about an hour and a half, almost two hours, and um, we just talked, and um, it was kind of moving back and forth between, uh, I'm moving over here because there's fans, and they're kind of freaking me out a little bit, Um, anyway, it keeps making me want to go back to chapter 8, which I don't want to go back to chapter 8, I want to stay at chapter 12. And uh, and as we were talking, um, she began to kind of just recount her life and apologize for things and and, um, bring up old reminders from the past. And and, um, it was amazing to sit there as her son and imagine... um, There's a picture that we have of her and her father on our mantle um, when she was 16. And this woman that's laying in this bed in front of me that's talking, she used to be 16 and she got a car and she drove it too fast. She still um, claims that she holds the land speed record from... Mumfordville to some place nearby. I don't know Kentucky small towns, but um, it was amazing for me to think about um, the years growing up and and all the different memories. I remember one time um, that we had gone to visit a friend of hers, and she made me sit in the back seat, and they had one of those really sloped driveways. and uh, she got out of the car and was talking, and she left the car uh, in neutral, and the car began driving down the driveway, and I'm just this little seven-year-old in the back seat, screaming, banging on the window, and she all of a sudden turns around, and there's the car going, um, I was fine. Um, and uh, I-, I remember um, my dad, when he got really, really sick um, towards the end of my, uh, when I was 12, um, and watching my mom literally pour out her life for this man, um, I, 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 until he died my 8th grade year. I, I, remember, um, I remember in 8th grade, uh, my mom and my best friend, Michael Saltzman, um, them having this conversation back and forth after a, a baseball game. Um, we were walking to the parking lot in which she kept saying, I'm pretty sure I could beat you in a race. And, and then they started running, and then she fell, and she was afraid she broke her arm, and uh, Michael felt really bad. And, and I remember work, work, she, she, she working um, at the high school I, I went to, which at first I thought was going to be a nightmare, and it wasn't. It was amazing, and it got me free lunch passes to go leave campus. Um, and I remember going college. I remember making the decision to leave the Naval Academy, and, and everybody that, that had always been close to me and supported me were saying, uh, a lot of these people were saying, hey, what are you doing? This is foolish, and this is dumb, and it kind of was. Um, but but she drove up in the middle of the night all the way to Annapolis, Maryland from Texas and picked me up, and, and we, we had this road trip through the Appalachian Mountains, and it was amazing. Um, um, and her supporting me going to Wheaton and, and all along the way, her, her rejoicing over, my, my, over her grandkids, my kids, um, watching her uh, make stupid financial decisions to get them the next toy. I, I, I sat there that Tuesday night and, and counted all of it down and, and, and thought through this life, this history with this woman and all that she'd done for me and all that she'd done um, for my family members. And, and, and yet it, it comes to this. In a bed... In a facility in Lakewood. Half making sense, half not. Unable to barely keep her eyes open. Barely able to hear. Surrounded by, by really funny smells and, and different sorts of people. All of that life coming down to this. This. We live in a city that, that does an excellent job of taking death and taking the, the echoes of death that kind of seep into this side of life and tucking it away and hiding it beautifully. I mean, we live in Denver, Colorado. It, it's the, the average age in Denver, Colorado, the, the mean age... I don't mean that mean, like you're mean, but mean age. Um, is, is 33 years old. Um, we have a young city. We have a very active city. Um, Denver has been claimed to be one of the healthiest cities in the country. We, we don't end up in beds. We don't end up um, with diseases. We go climb 14... Well, some of you climb 14ers. I crawl and cry up 14ers. Um, uh, we, uh, we, um, we run a lot. Oh, some of you run a lot. Um, I ride a scooter. Um, you... <laughs> We have gym memberships and we rock climb and we wear spandex. I, I don't. Um, and and we, we do all of these things, right? We, we live in this city that's a beautiful, stunningly beautiful uh, as a city, just in terms of landscape. We look out and we see, um, I always get directionally confused, beautiful mountains that, that just sit on the horizon, just stunning mountains. And, and we're in a city that, that's really, really pretty. And not kind of Dallas pretty, where, where everybody wears lots of makeup and spends excessive money on clothes, but, but Denver pretty. Like, these are all athletic people. We live in a city w- where um, the largest portion of our city denies the fact that God is there. And so we have a city that, that people make sacrifices, professional sacrifices, economic sacrifices to come and live in. They love this city. They love the activity of this city. Um, they, 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 we live in a city that's beautiful, that's active, that's generally very, very happy. that's a highly educated city that everything seems to work out just right and perfectly. Everything is great. It's almost a utopian city. In fact, the only thing that Denver is known for, other than the mountains, is urban planning and urban renewal. The rest of the country looks at our city and says they've built Utopia. And and yet, um, most estimates of people who live in the the city limits of Denver say that that less than 5% go to church anywhere, believe in God, believe the gospel. And so we've built lives that on the outside says that the abyss is far, far away. That what we're enjoying in this life, it's solid, it's real, it's something, we, we can come to Denver and build a real, happy, lasting life. That there's firmness here. You can experience joy here. And it's planted in the middle of thin air. You see, Solomon is confronting us with something tonight. And that fact is illustrated by where my mom lays right now. All of you are going to end up in some version of that someday. That this happy life, that this this myth of immortality, that somehow all of this is just going to keep on going forever. We can live any kind of life that we want. We can enjoy it. It's happy. It's lasting. In the end, it's going to come crashing down on your head. All of you. Sorry, most of you. Some of you will have motorcycle accidents. And heart attacks. And get cancer. Come on. Ecclesiastes. You didn't think it was going to end happy, did you? (laughs) You see, see, he's giving us a choice. Uh, We can live with truth. The fact is, all of us are going to end up in a bed somewhere dying. Unable to control our bowels. Smelling funny. Mumbling nonsense at each other. I hope I'm in Dan's hospital bedroom. <laughs> but we'll just mumble nonsense back and forth. We'll talk about the good old days. When he played in the NBA. Was a post for the Lakers. Um, <laughs> so you can live with the truth, the stunning reality, this is where it all ends, that, that all that you hold on to, all that you enjoy right now, all that, that you think you're, this firmness that you're building a life on, this, this stability, this joy, this happiness, that you think this, this thing's going to last, this is what counts, this is what matters, you can live with the truth that, that <laughs> that's going to come crashing. It's going to, the, the very thing that you're standing on, it's going to dissolve under your feet and there's nothing left there. You can live with that truth, or can you? Or, you can shove your fingers into your ears. You can close your eyes. You can say la, 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 very, very loudly. And you can live life as if that day may come, but, but who cares? All I have is today. I'm just going to live for today. I'm going to live for this joy now. I'm going to pretend it's solid. And I think most of the people in our city live as though death is far, far away from them. That the things that they hold on to, the, the, the joys, the happinesses, the, the um, sexual pleasures, that the advancing in their career, the experiences on the top of those 14ers, that somehow that's what matters. That's what's going to last. slowly through this book, Solomon's been trying to drag us to the cliff and hold us over the edge and say, look where you are. And he's going to do it one more time tonight. So, look with me. Chapter 12. Begins this way. He says, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. And so he says this, look. While you're young, while while all the things that we talked about in chapter 11 are happening, while you can still follow the delight of your hearts, uh, while while you can look around you and enjoy the things that are set before you, while you can still throw your bed in the water, um, before those days end, remember God. Remember the one who made you. Remember the one who made these things, who gave you these things as gifts. Don't simply look at these things and enjoy them and become blind to the fact that you need to look out from under the sun. He says, before those days end, before the days come, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember God. But remember your Creator. Look away from those things to the one who made all of those things. Look to the one who spoke you into existence, that holds you in being by the very word of His power. Look away from all that is under the sun and look to Him. Before the evil days come, and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And then for the next six verses, Solomon enters into this poetic, beautiful despairing, but poetic picture of what's going to happen to every single one of us. Are you ready? It's exciting. It's going to be fun. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. That you look around and that sunshine that you talked about in chapter 11, that it's just good to, to, to go out, if you have nothing else, just to enjoy the sun on your face. That there's a day coming, you won't see it. Your, your eyes will grow dim and dark and everything will grow hazy. And you'll start to wear those little tiny glasses that, that some of you are wearing now. Um, and you, you'll start, and if you're still in denial, um, you'll start holding books... Out here, and and you'll the light will grow dim. And it'll simply get hazier and hazier and hazier. And, and your eyes, they, they won't work quite so good anymore. So if whatever it is that you've built your hope on, if whatever it is that you think that this is where my joy will be found, this is where I'll build my life. If it depends at all on your eyesight, despair. <laughs> Your eyes are going to go. And this this idea that the clouds return after the rain. All of us get sick every once in a while, or some of you who don't take vitamins, like me, get sick sometimes. And and then you get better. And it's great the day you get better, right? You stand up, you walk, some of you go run, Um, you sweat, the sun is in your face again, and you feel good. He says that a day comes when you get sick. And right when you're about to get better, the clouds come again and you get sick again. And and just in succession, you're, you're more on your bed than you are outside. You're more physically ill than you are doing doing well. So if whatever it is that you're building your hope on, your joy on, Whatever it is you think, if I can just move here, or if I can just experience this, if I can just get to this point in my career, or if I could just have this girlfriend, or this spouse, or this boyfriend, if I could just get this—if any of that is dependent on the health of your body—despair, because eventually the clouds are going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming, and the rain will be followed by more clouds and more rain and more clouds and more rain, and they'll just begin to pile up one. After the other, the fan just turned my Bible to Song of Solomon. We should do that one night. We'll just set the Bible up wherever the fan turns it. We'll just preach there. And some of you will hope it's Song of Solomon. (laughs) In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, you begin to shake Your limbs are, are no longer strong The stuff that you used to carry You can't carry anymore The, the hoisting of the child on the hip Doesn't work anymore the, the, Your just body is frail and begins to shake all the time and, and then this interesting phrase The grinders cease because they are few Your lips begin to cave in Because you don't have any teeth left and when I was 12, I got hit with a baseball in the mouth. And my teeth rolled, messed up. Um, and, and they went, took me to a, a dentist that night. And he gave me caps so that my teeth would look good again. Um, and yesterday, one of them fell out. And my wife is very <laughs> distracted by snaggle tooth. Um, she says I look like a redneck. I say a pirate. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> but eventually, your teeth are going to fall out. And so, those amazing 420 wings at Falling Rock Tap House that are amazing, like all of you should go there and eat them. You're not going to be able to chew them anymore. Pizza, not going to be able to eat it anymore for the healthy crowd. Just pretend like you guys are healthy. <laughs> Salad, lettuce, you can't dumb lettuce going to go away, you're going to eat your meals through a straw you too this is what's coming for you so if you've built your life, your hope your joy, your, your sense of accomplishment in this life, if the thing that you can build a life on is your strength um, we don't have any professional athletes here keep looking Dan's close we had some one time And I would tell them, if they were still sitting right there, I would say to them, if you think this is going to last, you're going to be gumming your food out of a straw in a few years. Despair. (laughs) Let's keep going. The windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. If you built your life on your intelligence on the sharpness of your brain, on your ability to take in information and digest digest it and think about it appropriately and classify things and read lots of hard, difficult books and comprehend them and understand them. And, And that's what you've built it on. Those silly guys who depend on brawn. I will use my brain. Despair. Someday, you're going to really, really like game shows. that old show, This Old House, you're going to sit on a lazy boy chair, feet propped up, with corns. Is that what they're called? I don't know, on your toes. The gross things. And you're going to watch This Old House, and you're going to get it. So if, if it's up here for you, Pretty soon the doors are going to be shut and the windows are going to be dirty. And taking these things in, comprehending what's going on out there, it's not going to be able to get in anymore. and Bob Barker will pass the time. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, music just fades. And you get to a certain point and all of a sudden, it's like one day, Everyone starts mumbling. It's like there's a big conspiracy against you, my grandmother. Um, she would get so angry. We'd be sitting at Denver, we'd be having dinner, we'd Denver, dinner, and we'd be having a normal conversation. Everyone's talking absolutely normally, and all of a sudden she would throw her fork down. And this was like a very quaint old lady who was a Southern Baptist missionary. So she didn't throw things, but she threw a f- <clears throat> and said, "I don't understand why you're all mumbling." That's you. All of you. Someday. If I start talking that loud someday, if you're still here and I'm still able to walk, um, you will all turn it down or all hear a ringing noise in the room because you have hearing aids. If your hope, your joy, your righteousness, your sense that, that this thing matters depends at all on, on, on music, musicians, on sound, on hearing. Or an understanding despair. Because pretty soon a day is coming when the songbirds will grow dim, the music will fade, and everyone at the table will be mumbling, and you'll think they're trying to hide something from you. They are afraid also of what is high day is coming when you will be terrified to be on a 14er. In fact, you will be terrified to stand up lest you fall and break your hip. That was funny. Terrors are in the way. they going anywhere. It's just a constant barrage of threats or possible injuries that could happen to you. The almond tree blossoms. Your beautiful, bushy, brown hair will turn silver and white. The almonds will blossom. And you can color it, but everyone will know. <laughs> the grasshopper, that this, this person who used to spring about, will drag itself along. And so if your hope, your sense that things matter, that the, the sense of joy or that your life has something stable under it, depends at all on your wonderful good looks. Your tooth, it's going to chip and fall out. Your hair is going to turn white. And soon, you're not going to bound anywhere. You're going to drag yourself along. Despair. Desire fails. Men. Viagra commercials. Lie. Lie. Um, in, interesting in the Greek, uh, Greek, Hebrew, um, this is literally the, the palm berry fails. Palm berry was uh, when you got kind of older and things didn't quite work as well. The plumbing was out of order. Um, you would eat palm berries, aphrodisiac, male enhancement drug. Like they had them in the Bible. So those emails that you get that really hurt when you read them, they had them. Solomon says it's going to fail. So, if your understanding of where joy is, is reliant upon your sexual appetite or exploits, if you think that that this marriage and all that I'm enjoying in this marriage, whether it's physically or uh, just in in our intimacy together, this is where I'm going to build a life. This is the thing that's going to last. It's real. Despair. Despair day is coming when it's just not going to work anymore. and It's because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. There, there are two kinds of people in here tonight. Most of us. On, on the one hand, you look at all that you enjoy in life sex, food, drink, career, your learned mind. Your stunning good looks. Your marriage. Your children. All the good things you enjoy. And you look at these things and you blithely go through not ever realizing that all of them, every single last one of those things is going to, as you hold on to it, turn to vapor. Slip through your fingers. And that if that's all you have, you will be left with nothing. And we live in a city chock full of people who one day will be left holding nothing. We live in a culture that proclaims every day on TV, on the radio, on billboards, at at, at, Starbucks, at everywhere, over and over and over again, keep holding on, get more, get more, hold faster, this is where you're going to find happiness, this is where you're going to find meaning, this is where you can build your life, if you can just get to the next place in your career, or you can have the nice car, or or the right marriage, or the best relationship, or the best looking body, if you can just get these things, that was awesome, if you can just have these things, then you'll have something to hold on to. it's all going to turn to smoke in your hands and there's some of you here who there's nothing in your hands yet but but you just think if I can just if I can just get to the right city if I can just get the right job if you're single if I can just get the right spouse then I'll have something to hold on to and maybe even some of you, you, you've come to God. You've come to Jesus. You've, you've come believing the gospel, thinking the gospel ultimately is about God giving you more vapor or somehow hope, helping you hold on to the vapor that you've already got. I don't care where you end up, what career you end up with, or what spouse you end up marrying. All of it, Solomon says, is vanity. All of it, Solomon says, is vapor. And some of us have built entire lives on smoke. And and right here, we've got to be careful. Um, because I desperately want you to see this. I I want you to see that that most of what all of us spend our lives chasing after and trying to take hold of and building our life around to protect or to get more of, that in the end it's going to slip into nothingness. I, I really want you to see that. But if we stop there, all you'll be left with is despair. Um, I, was, I was having lunch with a good friend of mine a few weeks ago. Um, this friend is, uh, or was, um, toying around with atheism. And I say toying around with it because, um, well, he wasn't very serious about it. But but over the course of the conversation, w- one of the things that he said to me that, that really struck me, and it struck me, I didn't even think of it at the time, but, but this week, as I was thinking about this text, I was thinking about particularly the, the people who live in our city, and the people who would be sitting here tonight, and the people who live next to you, how they would respond to a word like this from Solomon. Um, and, and what he said was, we'd kind of kept working at this idea that hey, if if all we have is what's under the sun, if all that there is is what we can see, in other words, there is no God, there is no judgment. There is nothing after this. all we have is what 's under the horizon of the sun, then all that we build, all that we stand on, all that we um, put all of our hopes in and wrap our joys in it's all it's all sitting on the middle of nothing, right sitting in the middle of, of thin air, waiting to collapse and he said, so." So what? If it works for me today, this certain kind of morality, this um, this certain approach to understanding truth or, or d- denying the reality of truth, um, this certain kind of life, this approach to ethics and morals and, um, and all of this, and, and, and I just happen to take joy here. Who cares if it's all a myth? Who cares in the end if it goes nowhere? I'm having fun today. It works for me today. I think that perfectly sums up where most of the people that we live with and work with live. I don't know what's next. I don't know if there's something out there or someone out there. I don't know if there's a judgment out there. But I don't care. It works for me today. And that's, that's despair. I don't know if you know that. Does it look like despair? Like despair usually smells bad, right? Like they cry a lot and frown. That looks kind of like this blithe, happy sort of shala, shala, whatever. I don't know what shala means. But But at its root is despair. And here's how you know that. Let them end up in a bed where my mom is. And they won't be asking me to sing to them amazing grace. They won't be asking me to remind them that there is a God, that there is something later. All they'll have is where they are and they will say with Solomon, I have no pleasure in these days. Eventually, it all comes crashing down. And if we stop there, all we're left with is despair and blanket blind hedonism that, that is naive and stupid. And at the end, we'll be left with nothing. But Solomon does this, doesn't want us to end there. And here's how I know it. This interesting little verses starting in verse 14. He says this. Oh. Not 14. Verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. In other words, what he's established for us. These proverbs, these teachings, they're not just kind of blind things. that are meant to kind of us all leave here sad and just depressed um, with nowhere to go. Um, they're, they're supposed to give us some certain kind of knowledge. That, that, that they're arranged with great care, he says. And then in the end, verse 10, he said that he has sought in these words, in this teaching, in the book of Ecclesiastes, in telling you that all of it's about to turn into vapor, He sought to bring us words of delight and words of truth. Do you remember the choice? It seems like in our culture you can have truth and no delight. You can have truth and despair, or you can have delight and no truth. Solomon seeks to bring us both. Keep going there. And then he gives us this. That these words, this, this despairing description of the destruction and, and, and falling down of your life, that these words are like goads. You know what a goat is? Um, so if I, if I had a goat, um, I would have a stick. I don't have any sticks. I have a stick, and that w- stick would be called a goad. If we were walking along the trail, and the goat wanted to go over here, we'd whack the goat. Or, if you're nice, I would like to whack the goat. Um, some of you would like push the goat. <clears throat> I would whack the goat. Um, and if he goes over here, whack the goat. He goes over here, whack the goat. He goes over here, whack the goat. Whack the goat. Keep the goat on the trail, illustration number one, illustration number two, and like nails firmly fixed. So, so these words are meant to guide us down the trail, to keep us on task, on path, uh, and not only are supposed to do that, they're supposed to be something that's firm, that's fixed. They don't kind of move around. So in the midst of a life that's, who knows what the right financial decision is in this situation? What Solomon wants you to know is this is fixed. It doesn't move, it doesn't change, it doesn't shift around. What he's giving us here is not just to lead us to despair. He's trying to show us how to live. The point of this text is not just to get you to to, to despair of your life. But that you would have delight in no truth. And the end of the matter is this. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. If you're not supposed to build your life on sex, if you're not supposed to build your life on living in the right city, if you're not supposed to build your life on the right career, if you're not supposed to build your life on on the right financial security, if you're not supposed to build your life on some potential future out there, what do you build it on? Remember your Creator. Look away from all of those things as a foundation for your life. Look away from all those things in which to place your hope in. Look away from all those things as your ultimate source of delight and joy. Fear God. Obey His commandments. And do it now. Do it before you're holed up in a bed somewhere and you've spent your life attaining things that have disappeared from your grip. Look to your Creator. The one of whom David says in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning. David, who had a pretty nice house and wives, and he conquered people, (laughs) he had a lot of vapor. Look beyond the sun. In the midst of all this vanity, look to the one of whom Paul said... Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians 15... Here it is, 54. Verse 54. Verse 53. This perishable body, this vaporous body, must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall it come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? and the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. This is amazing. Verse 58. Are you there? You should underline it. It's amazing. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, in a world of vapor, In a world where everything is dissolving away, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now get this. Are you ready? Knowing that in the Lord, your labor, your work, your very lives are not in vain. Maybe even say it this way, taking Solomon, squishing him and Paul together. I don't think they'd like each other. Knowing that only in the Lord, your labor, your work, your very lives are not in vain. So look to your creator now away from all that you would cling to all that you would seek to build a life on and remember your creator in the days of your youth let's pray God, every single one of us in this room are bombarded with words, with commercials, with images, with hopes, with desires that, that would say, hey, build your life here. If you can just attain this, if you can just get this, then everything will stop dissolving. Then you'll have happiness. Then you'll have joy. You'll have a life. God, I plead with you now by your spirit in this moment to come and wake us up to see that the only place for delight, the only place where vanity ends, is not under the sun, but in you. And the only way to you is through the cross. And so God, I plead that, that everyone in this room right now would wake up That they'd turn away from whatever it is that they feebly, vainly seek to hold on to. And turn to bread and to wine. To to, to the God who will judge all things. To the God who upholds all things. God, I pray that they'd wake up now and not when they're 86 and hold up in bed and they can't think straight. God, that they would find now words of truth and words of delight. Turn away from vapor and trust in Jesus. Tonight, you're a follower of Jesus. If you're here with us and you believe that Jesus is is, is your Savior, He's your King, He's your Lord, then we invite you to this um, table, to this bread and this wine, to take the bread, to dip it in the wine, and to remember that this God who made us, this God who sustains us, has also redeemed us and purchased us with the blood of Jesus if you're not a follower of Jesus, I I would encourage you, um, I want you to see vanity tonight. To see that that your life, it's not built on this, it's built on nothing. Absolutely nothing. I would plead with you to turn away from nothingness and trust in this King, this Savior, this Lord. Let's eat.